0: There he goes, one of God's own prototypes, a high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production, too weird to live and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 18 of the Digital Freemason Podcast from Monday, March 7th, 2006. I'm your host, Scott, and I will be taking you along on my journey through the world of short Masonic educational papers. Many of these papers have been presented in my lodge, King George Lodge No. 59, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I want to thank you for having downloaded all these podcasts. As part of the unexpected popularity, I've had to make some changes to our website hosting arrangements. And I want to send out a heartfelt thanks to all the officers and members of my lodge for underwriting the additional costs of hosting this website. We're now positioned to continue the exponential growth rate and uh, our lodge views this as a a public service to the craft as well as uh, everyone who's interested in uh, Freemasonry as well and we hope that this is just one of those tools that we can use as speculative masons in a modern age. This week's topic comes to us from Brother C. E. Port and is titled Aspects of Apprenticeship. Originally published in 1973 it takes a look at the difference between apprenticeship of yesterday's operative masons and today's speculative masons. So, without further fanfare, sit back, enjoy, and let's get a little learning underway. How fortunate we are in the modern times, or are we? Our period of apprenticeship to the craft in speculative masonry is now quite short. In the older days the operative masons, it was no easy task for a man to become a Freemason. He had to win the right by hard work, technical skills, and personal worth. Not only did he, as now, have to prove himself a free man, of lawful age, legitimate birth, sound body, and good repute, but also he had to bind himself to serve under rigid rules for seven years, such service being at once a test of his character and a training for his work. The rule to which he pledged himself was very strict and can be found recorded in a great variety of places, and especially in the old charges. Such a system of apprenticeship was known and used in many trades and crafts. It seems to date from the first part of the 13th century, the earliest known regulation being dated about 1230, although that was nearly a century before it began to be insisted upon and come into general use. The term entered apprentice, incidentally, was a feature of a Scottish operative mason as early as 1598. The term did not appear elsewhere until the first book constitution of English Freemasonry was written in 1723, and it was written by, of course, a Scotsman. What leads us to enter into this apprenticeship, anyway? Although not as arduous or as lengthy as the operative apprenticeship, it is, nevertheless, bound by just as strict rules. The operative obviously sought wages. Quite logically, such wages were, and are material in form. What wages do we seek? The initial motive that leads us to seek apprenticeship in the fraternity of ours is, of course, varied and numerous as each one of us. It would take a long time to enumerate the study and study such motives, so let's approach it from the other way around. The wages masonry offers as a reward for our labors are offered with such simple dignity and honesty of purpose that, instead of making the word labor a symbol of slavery, it puts it in a very heart and very head of the column. True that wages are the kind of wages which appeal to intelligence, but by that token, masonry leads us to the realization that, after all, the greatest reward for labor is a consciousness of of a work well done, a work that does not bear a taint of selfishness. The wages are the recognition and realization that, through the great fundamental idea of brotherhood that pervades our every form and ceremony, Through the teachings of loyalty to a fellow worker, with a tenderness akin to a family relation, we have equality among us. Such equality, I might add, not only is because of equal skill or ability, but by virtue of common interest in the work of Freemasonry. By the loyalty to the job in hand, and the fact that each fellow workman is a co-laborer, whether he be a capitalist, designer, carrier of coal, or whatever... Can we possibly review the great principles, the striking ceremonies, and the organization of our fraternity, without seeing clearly that its teachings for man is that he must work, work truly, work loyally, and treat his fellow craftsmen as brothers? Dare we say that the realization of this, our wages, has no meaning in the present world of the unrest? These, then, are the wages of masonry, the light shed on the subject of a proper relationship between our fellow man and ourselves the ability to judge ourselves before we judge him. To enable us to pocket these wages, we are led by the fraternity's never-ending search for light. This thought runs all through our ritual. One of the first requirements called for is for the apprentice to be to state a desire for knowledge. Also, more than once we have been reminded of the first question asked after we became a Freemason. None of us will ever forget that moment. We were told that we stood on the threshold of a new life. we were assuming new duties. we were brought to realize that to fulfil these duties and thereby eventually earn our wages, we needed light. How much light we did not know the road we were about to travel was a strange one. light we must have it it was, get, and it was given to us. It lit the path, but only for a little way, but it was enough, so we took that first step in doing so, we became apprentices our quest for knowledge had begun. The lodge, in a very real sense, became a school. Our brothers, its teachers, many lessons were to be taught. Apprenticeship then opens our minds to realize that the Masonic way to our wages is through precepts caught by symbology. The teaching of Freemasonry would, like the other records told by tongue, become stale by repetition and impress the ears less vigorously At each telling were its historical facts and social philosophies not linked to words. By pictures were they not an orderly system of spoken sounds and symbols, illustrating and impressing the eye and the ear simultaneously. The apprentice is doubly reminded, by this happy union of speech and things seen, of ideas of the institution. However seldom he hears the Masonic tale, its frequent contact with the symbols will reiterate the facts and their meanings. The apprenticeship learns that Freemasonry is, to use its own definition, a system or science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. But an allegory is nothing else but a verbal symbolism. Maybe the definition would be more easily understood if it was termed a science of morality developed and taught by the ancient method of symbolism. This adoption, in its entirety, of the method of instruction by symbolism, gives Freemasonry its whole identity. This attractive form has always secured the attachment of its members and assured its own perpetuity. Indeed, the Mason soon realizes that its ritual is consecrated, not invalidated by its age, and is no less relevant to modern life than the rituals of the law courts, the universities, or any public body. Still further, the apprentice finds that Freemasonry is the ancient greater mysteries in disguise it's simple emblems the repository of the highest wisdom of the ancient world hopefully his desire to rescue and expound those mysteries to his own good is aroused by his first labours in the craft let me quote a very eminent freemason's words it began to take shape itself to my intellectual vision in something imposing and majestic solemnly mysterious and grand It seemed to me to be hidden like pyramids in their grandeur and loneliness, in whose yet undiscovered chambers may be hidden for the enlightenment of the coming generations the sacred books of the Egyptians, so long lost to the world, like the Sphinx, half buried in the sands, in the symbolism which, and its spirit of brothers, are its essence. Freemasonry is more ancient than any of the world's living religions, so I came at last to see its symbolism as its soul." So the apprentice, as did the great man who said these words, then began to discover a faith deeper than all creeds, larger than all sects, and begins to renew himself, the humanizing educational and spiritual force by looking upon the luster of its symbols of high and gentle wisdom. It appears to me that the symbolism of the entered apprentice degree encompasses the essence of every Masonic lesson. An entered apprentice is a Mason. The remaining degrees are nothing more than an elaboration. Having complied with several requirements, and therefore qualifying for apprenticeship, he is made to give up the rags of his own righteousness and symbols of worldly wealth and distinction, in order to realize that he now depends upon moral forces alone. He is then clad in garments signifying that he comes with pure intentions to learn the noble art and profit by its wages. Not to convert others, but to develop and improve himself. In his journey, in search of the light, obstacles are met, so similar that they seem identical. The little occurrences of life may seem unimportant too, but they determine whether he will be permitted to advance. The apprentice must advance on the square by regular upright steps. This symbolism is so common and universal that it is used in the slang of the street. Obligations are duties assumed. We must not assume them, if we are not willing to advance, and having assumed them, we are bound by them, whether we will or not; then the light breaks, and he begins to see he sees that others, even the more learned, stand like beginners. The master is on the level with him, and offers a fraternal hand, even in his journey from the north out of darkness towards the east and then back again into darkness. He emulates the sun as is the greatest. It is so so as well the smallest. And so our apprenticeship starts to take us on the path of light. More, much more, symbology remains. Let me just leave you with a Masonic poem I found in my travels. It is uncredited, with an author in the book where I found it, but is entitled The apprentice Degree, and I think it is quite apropos. Through midnight dark I feebly grope my way, oppressing with fear. I dread to go, and yet I dare not stay with danger so near. Eternal Father, guide my feet aright, and lead me step by step unto the light. I do not know the secret path I tread through scenes unknown. I humbly wa- wander whither I am led, thy power I own. Eternal Father, guide me through this night, and lead me step by step unto the light. The world, its pride and passions, wealth and power, all are gone. Blind, poor, and weak I trust. In this dreaded hour of thee alone, eternal Father, guide me in thy might, and lead me step by step up to the light. So it looks like we have things a little bit easier in today's craft, as is often the case, the more things change, the more they stay the same. While aspects of apprenticeship in Freemasonry may have changed, the essence of them is still the same. You know, I feel somewhat humbled when I think of all the great men that have come before me and have experienced the same thoughts, feelings, and ceremonies as I have. And while they may not have only taken one year to progress through the degrees degrees such as I have, we're all bound by the same ceremonies and experiences that have been laid forth for hundreds of years. As a side note to this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to congratulate Brother Mike Mayo who was raised to the sublime degree of a Master Mason on February 21st this year at the Harry A. Hausman Lodge, Number 117, in the Bristol Borough. Brother Mayo emailed me some great comments regarding the podcast, as well as some good ideas for future topics. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Digital Freemason. I've been your host, Scott, and have enjoyed our time together. If you'd like a transcript of this podcast, please feel free to visit our website, com. If you have any comments or ideas for further podcasts, please feel free to email me at podcast at com, and I look forward to hearing from you.